Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. How do you really know that your customers, employees, customer service agents are loyal? Well, there is a famous measurement, Net Promoter System, or NPS, that companies have been using a very long time. My guest today is the creator of this system. Fred Reichelt is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and business strategist who created the Net Promoter System and helps brands really achieve better business outcomes with loyalty at the forefront. He recently wrote a book, The Ultimate Question 2.0, with Rob Markey, another guest on my podcast. We talk about this book and ways that you can unleash profitable growth by systematically converting more customers into promoters and fewer into detractors. We also talk about winning on purpose and additional measurements, which he calls 3.0. There's a lot of takeaways from this episode, and I ask Fred some tough questions, which he easily has answers to. I look forward to hearing your views, and please share this episode with others, leave me a review, and tell me your thoughts. It means a lot. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Fred Reicheld. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Thank you, Stacey. Good to be here. So... I believe the world knows you, but just in case, please share, who are you? What do you do professionally? I am the creator of the Net Promoter Score and System and have been uh, working at Bain & Company since 1977, focused on helping clients build and nurture cultures that uh, that help love customers. Mm. Love customers, yes, and measure that. <laughs> yeah, I'm measure a big fan you know of measuring you're doing it right. Don't, you, don't just talk about it, do something. Exactly. Hence, doing CX right with NPS and more. So tell me your why. Why did you get into this field of work and stick with it? I saw early on in my career the companies I admired the most were, were outperforming their competitors in terms of growth and profitability, but the, the common denominator was they were earning the loyalty of their customers and employees. They were treating people right. And, and this central purpose of, uh, I've come to recognize it as, as love, you know, treating people the way you'd want a loved one treated, the, the golden rule, some people call it, that that standard is the, the foundation for a great life and for a great business. And most companies, especially large companies, just either don't understand that or they've forgotten it. Yeah. Before we get into depth on that, can you share a fun fact, any fact that people might not know about you? Well, I, I'm probably the only person in the world who commissioned a uh, a bell that was the same size and uh, same tone as the, the, the Liberty Bell in, in Philadelphia, but mine is the Loyalty Bell. So it's inscribed with large letters, loyalty with, with my last name, the Reichelt name underneath it. Oh, that is special. I did not know that. So yes, thank you for that. I love that. 
So let's get into our favorite topics. Let's start with NPS. It's been around, I feel like, forever. And you and Rob Markey also, who's been on my show, talks a lot about that ultimate question. Can you tell me about 2.0? What does 2.0 mean from the original state? Well, I invented Net Promoter almost 20 years ago around one initial question, how likely you'd recommend us to a friend. Uh, and then a follow-up, a question to explain why and how we could how we could do better. That was a little bit, it was, it was a theory back then. Companies weren't doing it. Bain & Company did it internally. We, we Intuit, the software firm with TurboTax and QuickBooks, adopted it very quickly. And because we made it open source over the next five to 10 years, hundreds, I, I think thousands of companies have adopted it adapted it to their industry, innovated, and and now I think is probably the the most ubiquitous uh, score or system that the people use in in uh, in business to to figure out if they're treating customers right. Mm. Most of my audience probably knows what Net Promoter Score is, but just in case, can you explain for those that might not know what is behind it? I mean, there's a math equation. Yeah, and, and NPS has come to mean an net promoter system because too many people fixated on the score. But it's important to understand what the score is in the math, and it's pretty simple. In most industries, you just ask a customer, how likely is you to recommend us to a friend on a zero through 10 scale? The people who score you nine or 10, uh, if they're not being bribed or pleaded with or, or, or gamed, but if they an honest answer of nine or 10, those people tend to feel like they've had their life enriched and they would enthusiastically recommend. So think of those as your assets, people whose lives you've enriched. The zeros through sixes are the people who feel like they didn't get what they paid for. They're detractors and you've made their, you've diminished their life. And, and we just take the math is the percentage of customers you touch who are promoters minus the percent who are detractors is your net promoter score. Mm-hmm. But you might think of it as the net lives enriched score. Of all the lives I've touched, how many have been enriched? How many have been diminished? Oh, I like that. I had not heard it described in that second way. That's fabulous. Passives. I noticed that in many different companies I worked at, small and large, those passives get ignored. Do you find that to be true? I don't think ignored. I, you know, passives are people who got what they paid for. They're satisfied. So there's no noise around them. They're not loyal. They, they haven't had their life enriched. They just, you know, they paid what they paid and they, they got a fair amount in return. And I think there are too many passives in the world because too many companies are willing to use satisfaction as their objective. But, you know, satisfying a customer that's just not enough to build a great business. It's not enough to grow a business because satisfied customers don't come back for more and bring their friends. Those people who really are enthusiastic and would recommend and, and feel like you've enriched their life, those promoters are the people that grow your business and, and, and take you on, on, a, on a sustainable path. I bring up passives because I believe that's an opportunity for us to focus more because they make a decision. They probably turn into a promoter or detractor. Is that a correct statement or do they really linger as passives and you're okay? 
I think most passives just stay that way until somebody offers them a better deal or a discount. So they're not mm. loyal. They, dis they disappear a lot faster than promoters do. But they aren't consciously unhappy. And they probably can stick around for a long time if there aren't a bunch of innovative competitors in your industry. Mm. What would you say to people who are in different departments of a company? So you've got product, you've got marketing, you have sales. Do you find you recommend NPS be used differently for those different areas of business? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think one of the reasons I wrote Winning on Purpose is even though NPS has now spread to two-thirds or more of the world, most people use it poorly. Uh, some even abuse it. And, and so I think the, the clearest use case is when uh, you do some research double-blind and ask customers who've just had a recent experience how likely is you recommend to a friend and get that net promoter score, compare it to competitors so you have a real benchmark. More, co more companies have just sent out survey requests themselves with their own identity very clear, which biases a number of things. It biases who happens to fill out the survey and what they say, and so it tends to get great inflation. And, and so an awful lot of companies think they're better than they are. It's very mm -hmm. useful. It lets you close the loop with detractors and, and test how, how various experiments are working, which innovations are delighting customers. But maybe the worst thing I see is that people then get their own net promoter feedback, maybe at the, at the relationship level or perhaps at one of the transactions or the silos that you talked about. And then they, uh, they link it to frontline bonuses or embarrass people by rank ordering all of the team members based on the NPS that they've gotten from customers they touched. And that leads to pleading and gaming and, you know, only 10 is a passing grade at our company and all the baloney. Uber drivers, you know, give, you, we'll give you a five if you give us a five. And it, it not only distorts the scores, it makes the whole process a little bit of a waste of everybody's time. And, mm. and so my advice is stop that. Stop linking this as a KPI to frontline teams and, and start recognizing this is a survey. And, and surveys are always soft. You know, how you ask, when you ask, um, changes the scores. And, but use it as a way of learning how to enrich more lives. And if, if it's used in the right way, it's incredibly powerful. The, uh, I think I've been preaching this for a long time. People ignored me. Because scores are so attractive, obsessive, fixate on the score. So I developed a, uh, a sister score called Earned Growth that is appropriate for accountability and audit worthiness that's based on accounting fee net numbers. Whereas the net promoter score, it's, it's a survey. So let's be realistic about what it can and can't do. Level of effort is a really common measurement now. And I happen to really love it because it's, a, it's not the only score, but it's a component. If we don't make it easy and simple, then it contributes to the why a net promoter score might be. What is your perspective on effort score? Where does that fit? I think there are a lot of different reasons why people are enthusiastic about a company and not. Um, effort would be one of the dimensions. I, I think 
I think whether it was too expensive or not, whether I could trust this company to, to use my data correctly, you know, effort is one of, I don't know, not one or two, a dozen very important dimensions. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's your issue, then using that metric, metric at that transaction makes a lot of sense. I, I frankly think it gets a little bit too much credibility today. And some people actually use it as a relationship score, which I think is just nuts. I, I don't know where that came mm. from. It's goofy. It, 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 not much effort to me doesn't mean loyalty. It means, you know, no problem. And no problem does not earn remarkable levels of loyalty. Mm. One thing I notice about promoters, companies don't actually, what I would call, activate them. In other words... Would you recommend my company or business or product? Nine, 10. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. What, what, what's your view on that? Why are people not actually then doing something with it? Yeah, I think this is one of the areas that over the next five to 10 years, you'll see the most progress. Um, it is a complete waste of energy to, to get a nine or a 10 and a verbatim comment or two about why and how you can do even better and then waste that. Uh, the, the best companies today will will use that as a way to celebrate frontline teams or team members who have uh, really done something special for a customer. So it's 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 a free it's 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 a bonus. It's it's a wonderful bonus to share with the employees who've earned it. But the, what you indicated, it's, if you have a somebody who really is an enthusiastic, would likely recommend. Companies have to find the right way to help them make a recommendation. Um, yes. A lot of people will ask for online rating. That's fine. But no, I'd say that's the time when you could actually help and encourage them to, to make a recommendation to a friend. And the, the, one of the companies I, I'm working with right now is called Mention Me. They're a platform that makes it really easy. When you get a 10 with a verbatim comment, that's, that means it's truly a promoter then it, there's a tech platform that lets you make recommendations and, and appropriately recognize both the referrer and the referee. That I think this will become much more common going forward. Mention me. I'm writing that down. That's a good tip. Mention me is uh, in London coming to the United States this summer. And mm. although there are a handful of referral widgets out there, I haven't seen any of them really understand the subtlety of how do I do this in a frictionless way that isn't a bribe? It's 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 not inappropriate, but it's it's it is a fair recognition to to get people to take the extra step to use this tech platform and to uh, to trust you to put put an, uh, a friend or a, or a family member's name or an email address that uh, that once they decide to take you up on this, that it tracks it. And, and this, the reason it's worth, it's worth more than, much more than loyalty programs. Those have become a joke. They're just manipulative marketing, couponing uh, games. This really is at the core. It, it, the, the reason that the companies that have the highest net promoter score in their industry grow faster and make more money is because the, the flywheel that drives economic prosperity is not measured by accounting. It, it is invisible to accountants. And it, it, the flywheel is this. Customers come back for more and bring their friends. Those things, net revenue retention rate and referral rate, are not part of generally accepted accounting principles. And therefore, 
to the extent your mindset and your priorities and your budgeting and your bonuses and governance are all set on financials, you're missing the central element that drives long-term sustainable growth and profits. Mm. Talk to me about Net Promoter Score from an internal perspective. How can human resource departments or any department use the score to fuel better customer excellence and, and employee engagement? And just to the just as I think there are far too many requests for surveys to customers, I think there are far too few requests to employees. They should be shorter and they should be more frequent. Uh, I'll give you an example at Bain & Company. Most of our case teams around the world have a weekly huddle. Some, some it'll be every two weeks, depending on the, the situation. And in that weekly huddle, it is uh, sparked by a five or six question online survey that gets people to think about in advance of the meeting, how happy they are with progress, what the top priorities are. The uh, first question that comes is how happy the team is with uh, the value they're delivering to their client. So it's, it's their impression of are we living up to our core, our primary purpose of, of making our customers' lives better? And then the second question is, how likely is it you'd recommend uh, working on this team to a qualified colleague, which gets them thinking about mm, how well, not just are we doing delivering value to a customer, but are we living the values that make me proud? Are we the kind of team that I would want someone I, I like and, and respect at the firm to, to join? And those really bring out the, the key elements of gauging progress for our firm and then that the team talks about progress and what's getting in the way and what needs to change. And then the scores get shared at the office level and the corporate level. So we know which teams are in trouble and which ones are doing great. And, and the ones that are in trouble, we try to help them. Mm -hmm. But most of the help are teams themselves recognizing there are issues and fixing them themselves. So is that part of winning on purpose? Yes, yeah, winning on purpose makes a radical argument because it's the subtitle, loving customers is the only winning strategy. There's a fair amount of evidence now that we've been pinging NPS into the world for two decades. It now identifies and illuminates the forces that drive success in business and there is yet to be an industry we found where the NPS leader is not delivering the best total shareholder return. It also turns out that when you put your employees in a position where they are consistently enriching the lives of their customers and earning standing ovations in the form of tens and verbatim comments, that makes it a great place to work. So, you know, these things are linked, but it all starts with leaders who care about their people and inspire them to delight customers and enrich their lives, and then celebrate and reward, recognize the teams that achieve that. And that's what great companies do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So would you call this NPS 3.0? Yeah, we did 2.0 2 was after 10 years of experience with NPS, hundreds and thousands of practitioners. We knew best practices. Over the last 10 years, I have seen many thousands of people adopt it and screw it up, and, and, and some do it brilliantly. 3.0 is just our list of best practices we've observed in the world today 
of those companies who are putting the customer at the center, using feedback tools, um, especially digital tools, most effectively. And also we call out all of the, the, the misuse and abuse that we see around areas like linking this as a KPI to somebody's bonus at the front line, using survey data inappropriately, given it's soft and, and so easy to manipulate. And, and maybe the most important step forward with NPS 3.0 is, is this new metric that I developed called earned growth. It really is just saying, gosh, let's go back to that basic idea. What we're trying to do is treat customers so they come back for more and bring their friends. NPS as a survey shines a light on that process, but it's not a, a reliable, auditable gauge. What is the gauge? Well, let's measure how much of your business is coming from customers who are coming back for more and let's re and referrals, their referrals. And that earned growth rate is, is how we can hold people accountable. And I think more and more companies need to understand earned growth. They need to know how they're stacking up versus uh, other parts of their company and versus their competitors. Mm. You know, I think as marketers, it's very hard to put a dollar value around awareness and branding initiatives. I mean, e-commerce, you know right away, you got a sale, you didn't. Any advice to marketers listening as it relates to measuring that referral amplification effect? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, read chapter five in Winning on Purpose and give it to your boss and make sure it makes it up to the CEO and the board of directors. The evidence is compelling that treating customers so they come back for more and bring their friends is the common theme across every business that we see that's earning, uh, it is delivering real value to its investors, you know, better than Vanguard total index returns. And that evidence says, you know, the only way we're acting in our long-term investors' best interests is by getting better and better and innovating and find and ways to make customers' lives better. So we have to have metrics, we have to have processes inside the company that make that front and center. And, and honest companies today will say, you know, actually it's, it's really financial metrics that are driving our short-term behaviors, our priorities, our bonuses, our who gets promoted, capital allocation. We're just looking at financials and financials they don't see this core idea of back for more and bring friends. It's hard. Net, net revenue retention takes some work, but it's not rocket science. Referral rates, you really, you know, in chapter nine in the book, I lay out what I think is the best practice we've seen. And it's just an onboarding question. Every time a new customer comes on board, ask them what's the primary reason they join. And when it's a, mm. refer, a referral recommendation, keep track of that. And if possible, Find out who recommended and, and close the loop with that person to figure out what we did that made you feel that way. And, and you know, how can we do that more often? That that's where the great companies are focusing their, their work today in the net promoter world. Yeah. So you you've used a couple of times one of my favorite words, closing the loop. For those listening, maybe not everybody understands what that really means. And without that, there's no point even asking if you're not going to do something or close the loop. So from your perspective, what does that mean? And what's a tip that people could do it right? The first place we saw people doing it right was with detractors. Um, Andy Taylor at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Apple retail stores. Anytime uh, a score came in, 
that was a detractor score, then the frontline supervisor, the branch manager or the store lead, called the customer, apologized, probed for the root cause, tried to fix it. But even if they couldn't fix it for that customer, they would then sit down at the daily or the weekly huddle and talk about this. And, and the team talks about how to make sure that this doesn't happen as frequently in the future as it, as it just did. That's closing the loop. What closing the loop means with promoters, I think, is understanding when you do get a referral or a rec recommendation, talking to people to understand why it is, and then getting to the root cause and, and talking with the team, how, you know, how can we do this more frequently? Instead of doing big market research statistics at headquarters that tell you the key drivers and all this stuff, I don't think there's that much value there. Anybody with some common sense knows that. But getting individual teams and front lines and, and people who are coding to be closing the loop with customers who are promoters and detractors, learning why, what they can do about it, putting upward pressure on more senior parts of the organization when they need changes in process or policy. That's the way a good business works. Mm -hmm. So what do you imagine your next book's going to be? <laughs> I don't know. This, this, I would have said I wasn't going to write another book after uh, The Ultimate Question 2.0. If there's a book, I think it'll be around this notion of uh, most effectively measuring and managing referral flows. Um, mm because that is a completely invisible part of the business world that I think is probably the most important part. I, I tell a story back in Winning on Purpose about Truett Cathy and, and the founder of Chick-fil-A, who was a real fan of the Bible. And, and he, he had a one proverb that was his life mission. It was Proverbs 22, I think it's one or 11, let's say 22, one. A good, a good name is worth more than silver or gold. And that notion that your reputation is everything, it's so true. And um, we need to make businesses more cognizant of that and then give them tools for, to measure and manage and know, you know, a lot of them are broken. Five-star ratings are pretty meaningless because now everybody gives five stars unless they want the driver fired or if they want the rep to get in trouble. So 80% plus of all the scores are courtesy fives. We've got to get away from that and say, which, which interactions, which brands are really enriching my life so much that I'm recommending to my friends and loved ones and use that as not just the target, but also the center of our learning so that the organization mm -hmm. can, can understand what it is that enriches a life, what innovations are really paying off, and then how can we make sure we do that more and more and more. Mm, love that. So as we get near the end, a couple last questions. One is about leadership. What's the best advice you've either received or given? You know, the best, there are a few guys that I write about at the beginning of uh, Winning on Purpose that changed the way I saw the world. Truett Cathy was one of them. Andy Taylor at Enterprise was another. The one I'll mention, uh, Bob Harries, who was the CEO of USAA for many years. He taught me that the loyalty, and these guys in the military, they understand loyalty pretty well, putting your life on the line. Um, but he, he said, loyalty, in, it means my people are willing to change and, and, and struggle to, in service of their customer. So you got to, you know, loyalty for me to them as a leader is 
to take care of them, to give them the tools they need, to, to, to inspire them, to, to, to enrich customer lives. But loyalty for an employee, it's the willingness to change and play a role on a team and be, be held accountable to make sure that, that they're making lives better. And then as a, a broad life's message, uh, Harry's was really helpful to me. And it, it, I know, you know, he, why? His secretary said, you know, Bob finds people in, in his life that he thinks they're on the right mission and he, they're making the world better and he invests in them. He just tries to help them succeed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably the most important message. When you see a person or a, a team or a company that you really see as making the world a better place, find a way to help them. They deserve your loyalty. And that's why I've got a loyalty bell in my backyard that deciding who's worthy of your loyalty and committing your life to it, that's really the biggest decision you have in your life because it, you know, it guides your life, but it also defines your legacy. Mm. So if you had one takeaway for listeners, what would you say? What's that one thing you want them to remember? This, the same thing makes for a great life that makes for a great business. Strive to treat people the way you wanted, you'd want to see a loved one treated. And that, mm. that golden rule standard of uh, behavior, I think, represents the highest standard in human affairs. And we can all do way better on that. Mm. Beautifully said. And the last question, if you could go back in time to your younger, let's say 20-year-old self-ish, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Fred? Personally or professionally? Uh, be two things. One is to have more confidence that um, that business success really is driven by treating people right. That that this this moral philosophy of living up to the golden rule is also the uh, the economic uh, flywheel. I, I used to believe that was a niche strategy. Now I see it. It's the only way to succeed. And um, as part of that, I think that the advice is, you know, who you hang or what companies you buy from work for, invest in, these are monstrously important decisions because who you invest, you know, who you work with, it just changes your life. And so mm. be really thoughtful about who is worthy of your loyalty and and, uh, and have, have high standards. Mm. I wake up every morning and say, how do I want to experience the day? And that includes exactly what you're saying. You know what, Jim, Jim Senegal, the founder of Costco, he, uh, he made it really simple because this, you know, moral philosophy is complicated, but he said, every decision we make at Costco, because at Costco, customers come first, employees come second, investors come third. He said, every decision, we ask, what's in it for the customer? Why should we make this decision or this investment or this change? Why is this in our customer's best interest? And if your primary purpose as an organization is to enrich the lives of your customers, which is the only strategy that wins over the long term, this is the question we have to have everyone in the organization asking themselves every day, every major decision. Mm. Well, I don't want this to end, but we've come to the, the time. Where can people find you? I'm going to put them in the show notes. I'm going to put your books in, your, in the show notes, but where's the best way to reach you? 
Well, reaching me in the most meaningful way is read winning on purpose to, to reach out to me directly. I probably the easiest is through, uh, my LinkedIn, uh, website, uh, and Fred Reichheld winning on purpose and, or through, uh, the Bain website, which I think is netpromotersystem.com. Mm. Well, truly thank you from my heart. And I learned talking to you and I know others are going to as well. So much appreciated and thank you again. Thanks, Stacey. Take care. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.